Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. America, we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. To serve others in ways that promote human flourishing and create a ripple effect of transformation for generations to come, find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. There's a cat over here, there's a cat over there, and the wrong one died, and the wrong one died. Welcome to The Wrong Cat Died, the podcast breakdown of Catastrophe. I'm your host, Mike Abrams, and today we have another amazing guest. He recently finished up touring on the International Tour of Cats, and then also the Asia Tour in South Korea, performing as the Ram Tom Tugger. So welcome, Ed Kingsley Wade, and thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. I am excited to have you because you've been in a couple productions, and I know that you've just already told me that you have a different Jellicle choice, so this always is a great starting point. So let's start at the beginning. What is your cat's history? When was the first time you saw the show? When were you first introduced? When did you see it live first? Like, give me the give me the backstory. Um, so my first introduction to cats was when I was, I believe, seven or eight. I was at um, school and. My drama teacher wheeled in the television and stuck in a DVD. Uh, sorry, it was a VHS back then. VHS, yeah. Yeah, showing my age. Um, yeah. And uh, she put it in and she said, I want you guys to watch this. And at the end, I'm going to ask you, which cat do you think should go to heaven? In a very simple form. And we watched the whole thing. And we watched and we got to the end and we, she said, right, who do you think should go to heaven? And I remember putting my hand up immediately and no word of a lie. And I said, I think it should be the Ram Tam Tugger. <laughs> and I remember that so well because I thought he was so cool. His number was so fun. He was kind of naughty. And I think as, as a child, I sort of um, associated with that kind of like fun, loving, just crazy cat. And I thought he was so cool. Uh, and John Partridge was, oh, he was just legendary in the role. Um, and that was my first memory of cats. And then very closely succeeded by my second memory of cats which i think was probably either a year later or two years later i went to the edinburgh playhouse in scotland by the way i'm scottish i'm half scottish okay. my parents are english so my accent might sound confusing yeah. um so that's just to <laughs> clarify that for you i went to the edinburgh playhouse in scotland um and i was sat in the audience and i watched cats and i remember watching the first act and then leaving at the interval because i thought it was so boring <laughs> and, that is, oh, wow. and that is the truth and i remember my godmother took me and she must have thought I was just the spoiled, ungrateful brat. Um, but little did she know that, or did I know that I would end up doing that very musical and loving it. And absolutely, uh, it completely changed my mind after doing it. I think there's always that saying, like, watching Cats is very different to being in Cats. 
So, yeah. Yeah. I think that's interesting because you saw it. So, it's not like you were surprised by it the first time you saw it live. Like, you watched the movie, you got the gist of it, and you still yeah. were like, no, live, I'm, it's, it's worse, I'm out. Yeah, no, I was like, nah, fuck this. <laughs> no, I think, yeah. I think I remember at the time, one of the, one, one of the vivid memories in my mind was the flashing eyes right at the beginning and these eyes yeah. just coming out of the audience, this thing where I was, I was very sort of disturbed by it. And also I was sitting in the upper circle and I remember at the interval seeing kids going up onto the stage because back then you could go up and meet old Deuteronomy. And I thought, oh, I would love, why can't I do that? And I was like, you know, I turned to my godmother and I, I can't remember what I said, but I think she got the impression that I was like, this is, this is not for me. This is boring. But little did she know, little, little did we know that I would end up doing it as a, as a professional. Yeah. <laughs> it's just kind of crazy. You're um, like, if I have to watch it for school, I'll sit there. But if I yeah. get to go on my own time when I could be doing everything else, I'm done. Exactly. You better be paying me to do it. That's yeah. What I was yeah. <laughs> That's what I was gearing towards. So yeah. when you watched the movie, did you, like in school, did you have every, any like inkling that you might be in this, like it was a future for you or was it just like, again, uh, you were just happy that they wheeled in the VHS tape so you didn't have to learn. <laughs> yeah. I, that was always a great day at school, wasn't it? When the yeah. teacher brings best in the television. Days. Oh, the best, the best. Um, truth be told, no, I don't think I ever did back then. I was so wrapped up with just the, the life of being a kid. I just thought everything was so much fun. I was sort of fearless as a child. I, I never really shied away from any task or throwing myself at anything. I loved art. I love expression. Um, and then I remember at about the age of seven, so around about that time, my, my mom sent me to my first dance class. And, um, I remember just really enjoying it and just kind of being like, Oh, I just like that. Because I think you are fearless as a kid back then. No one tells you otherwise until you get a little bit older. Mm -hmm. What is it? The age of consciousness when you start realizing what the world starts to think of you and you think of yourself. And back then I was just like, I just dance and that's just what yeah. I like doing. And so when I watched the film, I was like, Oh, that looks kind of cool, but pass me a rugby ball or a football. And yeah. you know, I, I'm off doing that as well or playing tennis or whatever, you know? Um, uh, no, I guess in answer, along with the answer to your question was no, I never thought that I would um, want to pursue it back then. Um, it's, so, it's so interesting to hear you say that because I've talked to so many cast members mm. now at this point, especially around this, like our age, same age. And yeah. there's a very distinct split between the, I watched the white cat and that was my future. You know, like I, right. I knew when I saw that moment that I wanted to be a dancer, I wanted to do this. And then yeah. there's the other half of this where I was just like, yeah, that was interesting. And then you moved <laughs> on with your life and ended up back here later at some point. So yeah. it is kind of fascinating to hear how like the, the 98 movie has such a lasting impression on a lot of people. And oh, it was it like, I just, for you, it just cracks me up that it was like, no, it was just a day I didn't have to listen. So I, <laughs> I loved it at school, which is probably would have been my reaction. There's a lot of movies I watched as a kid in school where I'm like, I don't even know. I loved it just because I didn't have to pay attention to anything else. Exactly. Right. That was, that was exactly it. And I think, I, I don't know, like for me, I was very lucky in the sense that my mom was, um, and my dad, sorry, they were both very cultured and that I went to the theater. I was lucky enough to go to the theater quite a lot. And, um, especially up in Scotland where we don't have an awful lot, apart from the Edinburgh Fringe, which I'm sure you're familiar with, uh, you know, when that comes along, lots of Scots just depend, descend upon Edinburgh and we all go and yeah. see everything. So for me, like watching, I don't know, maybe I wouldn't want to speak on behalf of anyone else, but if Cats was this totally random 
anomaly that appeared in your educational time, let's just say, and you just went, oh my God, that was, that really, really took me. You know, I can understand why you want to be a white cat or a, you know, or whoever. But for me, it was like, oh, this is just all part of the whole experience of being around art and theater and, mm-hmm. and dance and stuff, you know? So maybe, yeah. maybe it was in there somewhere. <laughs> it, was, it was just, I'd say it was more of a needing process than an explosive awakening. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So, so fascinating. So let's fast forward. Mm. You, like when you got the audition or you really realized that you're going to have a chance to do this role, yeah. what was in between there? Was there any other moments with cats or was it like a, you forgot about it from middle school or from, you know, the, the early ages. And then all of a sudden it's like, wait, I now have a chance to audition for Tugger. Yeah. I, it, it's interesting actually. I mean, my, between, between those two points, actually there was, there was a lot of evolution in my own journey i i went to i got i then shortly after i got into scottish ballet um and i started dancing for the junior associates program for two years and then i got into the dance school of scotland and i went there for four years in which i studied musical theater and then i and then i got a scholarship to mountview in london and i studied there for three years and the the interesting thing about the progression is that I started very much in ballet focused and dance focused. And then I slowly um, weaved into more musical theater and started singing and then acting more sort of came out as well. And so I guess in a way, maybe I was kind of steering away from cats. I feel like you, you yeah. acknowledged at the beginning just before we got on was that like, it's more of a dancing show, you know, it's, it's kind of mm-hmm. that thing. So I think cats was very much in the forefront, especially when I was at um, the dance school of Scotland was in the forefront of the mind of people that were dancers, I would say. Um, whereas musical theatre people, they were like, oh, wouldn't it be hilarious if you were in Cats one day? Yeah. <laughs> um, and we kind of joked about it at, at college and stuff as well. Uh, just because of what the, the way the colleges were kind of streamlined, you know, there was very much the dancer colleges and then there was the acting colleges and then there was like the singing musical theatre colleges, which was the one I went to, the third one. So the idea of being in Cats was was pretty, pretty out there. It was pretty kind of... Um, an audacious thought, I'd call it. However, when I started getting into the industry and I realized that, oh, okay, I can dance and sing and act. I can kind of do all three. I'll never be a featured dancer, and I'll, uh, you know, but I, I can still move. I move around mm-hmm. the stage. Um, I then had an audition for Cats, and I remember it. And I remember going uh, to this to this audition space and singing. And I remember doing the dance call and thinking, I remember my agent calling me, be like, "You're in for Cats," and I thought, "Oh, for God's sake." Like, I'm not going to get this. I remember point blank thinking, I was like, I'm never going to get cats. There's no way. I'm not a dancer. Like, that was my interpretation of it and my understanding. And then I did the dance call and somehow made it through. But I was, you know, I was happy to. And then I I went through to the next round and I sang in front of Chrissy and uh, Grinrods, who cast it here in the UK. And uh, yeah, it kind of went well. And then I got another recall. And then I didn't get it because this was a time when I didn't get cats. So I auditioned for cats once and it didn't go my way. But I remember getting far in the process and enjoying it and being sent up for Tugger and Skimble and also Monkestrap. Wow. So they weren't sure where to place me in the mix. And I think it all just came down to that. You know, just I was yeah. not really sticking out. I wasn't a standout for any particular role at that time. Cut to a few years, two, three years later um, in 2019. And um, I was in Fiddler on the Roof in the West End at the time. And uh, yeah, things were going good for me. And yeah, I remember going in again and dancing again and really loving it, really, really enjoying it a second time around the audition process and then singing. And that time I was seen only for Tugger. Um, 
And uh, it was great fun. And I remember Peter McCarthy, who was the MD on the European tour, he was there. And um, I've always enjoyed kind of like doing my, my approach to roles is always to kind of do them true, but also like find my way of doing it as well. Like yeah. I would love to do the character justice and take direction, but I also want to embellish it with a bit of me. And when it came to the singing and all the riffing and stuff, I just decided to take it off in a, in a way that I realized now hadn't kind of been done before. So Peter really latched onto that and was like, Oh, this is interesting. Let's try it like this. Let's, you know, let's see where you can go. And then, um, and then, yeah. And then I remember a couple of weeks later after that, just as Fiddler came to an end, um, I got the call to say yeah. I booked it and I was booked on the Asia tour that was going around China in April of 2020, which could have, you know, couldn't have been quite a worse, worse situation because then the pandemic happened. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. That's, and you know, it's interesting cause that's such a, it's a role that gives you, you just talked about the freedom to be able to kind of have a little bit of your own vision into it. And it's like a perfect role for that. I also right. am curious now hearing like what a hard pivot going from Fiddler to, to Tugger. Like <laughs> yeah. that is quite a, quite a, quite a shift. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was, it was a, it was a real, like, um, the real shift. Yeah. That's a great way to describe yeah. it, actually. Uh, I, I, I always enjoy the challenges. I think, you know, swing me, swing me around or like flip me upside down. Like I, I would, I'll try and thrive in whatever situation, throw me in cold water. I'll try and swim. Yeah. You know, it's, um, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't shy away from the challenge of it, but the, the fiddler, the fiddler was, fiddler was so great. Honestly, it was such an amazing job. And I worked with Trevor Nunn on that one and, um, uh, Judy Kuhn and Andy Nyman and just these amazing, amazing like stars as well. Uh, and it was just, it was just an incredible, incredible experience of one of which I gained a lot of insight from, and especially working with someone like Trevor who, Mm -hmm. obviously you know it's, it's so yeah. huge all right do you Legend. know what? back at back at those in those school days when they wheeled in the vhs i remember opening a textbook right and looking at a picture of trevor nunn and yeah. looking at him in that and going all right that's trevor nunn and then meeting him on the edition for uh, um for fiddler and looking at him and going i remember you from my textbooks yeah. at school <laughs> I'm, I'm sure he so loves i'm sure he loves that yeah um <laughs> That's okay. Yeah. So you, so you basically you're, you're auditioned and picked for the 2020. That's not going to end up happening. Obviously yeah. there's, you know, there was a U.S. tour that got cut off. That one happened. I think they ended up going to Korea, like in, it, Taiwan, but it was a yeah. different group uh -huh. Uh -huh, um, right. because it was, it was like one of the first things there's a documentary on it. Um, mm. Okay. So then you now get cast again in the international mm -hmm. tour. You yeah. go all around Europe. It sounds mm -hmm. like um, for about a year. I'm curious because I've heard a little bit about that tour and you stopped in some like amazing cities. But then when you finished, you went to South Korea to cover. So what was, is that the exact same production that you went into or were there changes? Like what is that going like when you, cause you like had very, pretty much no break and you went from mm -hmm. one to another. I've heard this a couple times, but when you get thrown in as an injury replacement or replacement, how much change do you have to adjust to? Um, uh, yeah, well, just to just to address the, um, that story because you're you're almost completely right with it. Okay. The the, the European tour, I had a uh, I had a clause in my contract um, to to leave after six months, so I was able to. So I left in August, I think it was. Yeah, I left okay. in August, and then the tour continued without me. They brought in a great guy called Harrison Wild, who who from what I hear did an amazing amazing job. Um, so big shout out to him. 
but yeah, no, so I was able to do the European tour and visit places like Berlin, which was, oh my God, Berlin was so cool. We went to um, Zurich in Switzerland as well, which was ugh, amazing. Feel so lucky to have just even been there, but to have worked there and to be in a yeah. great production and to enjoy it. Munich, other places like that. It was, it was wonderful. And then I finished the tour there and left that cast whilst they had like a five week break in which they put Harrison in. And then they went off and they continued the rest of the tour. And then I was, uh, I, I would be back here in London. And then the, the, that production finished on the Saturday or the Sunday. And I was called on the Friday just before that finished to fly out <laughs> on the Monday. And what was so weird is I sent a video to the group saying, guys, like have a great final show. The next thing I knew, I was going back to do cats. Yeah. It was so, so strange. But the difference between the two productions was um, it wasn't it, luckily for me because I was I was put in in two days um, when I flew out to Korea. The, luckily for me, it's very, very similar. Um, however, the set is slightly different. Um, in that it's bigger, it has more levels on the size of stage. Uh, the Growl Tiger number is in, and so is an extended version of uh, the Rumpus Cat. Um, and that comes in in Act One, whereas in the production of the International Tour, the, the Rumpus Cat number was Gus's one in Act yeah. Two, whereas there's the Growl Tiger there. Um, so that was, that was interesting. And um, I tell you what, it was so weird. It was so bizarre going, having like six months off and then going in to do cats again. I remember in act two, Tiger comes on and he sits on the pipe, looking down over the backs of the heads of these people. And it was feeling so much like a dream. You know, when you dream and you're in that world and it looks so familiar, but it's different slightly. Yeah, It was exactly like that. That's the only way I can describe it was I was looking at the backs of people's heads being like, now that is Demeter. It's not the Demeter I know, but I know that's her. And over there is Monk he looks different, but I can, I know that's Monk and it was so strange, but it was a very like, um, crazy experience, but one that I was very much awake for, which was kind of terrifying as well. That's, but that's wonderful. kind of an interesting piece. I hadn't thought as much about cause I, you know, mm. the, the tour I was with the, the U S tour recently mm. earlier in the year and you know, they, they swing in a lot. And yeah. so, you know, you're seeing, and I'm seeing a lot of the pictures of them and I'm like, it's a different person. But with all the makeup and the costume <laughs> and everything, it's like, it looks like the character. And yeah. so it has to be kind of almost, you know, two days you said you got put in has mm. to be a little trippy to see, you know, someone that you probably worked for six months with yeah. and then of a, a tweak of them, who's a totally different human that <laughs> is now in that costume. Like it's, it's gotta be a little bizarre. It was, it was, it was exactly that. It was, it was very, very strange. But in, in that as well, like, you know, there was, it, it was weird trying to fit my European version of the, of Tugger into the, the Asian production as well, because there were, there were definitely like energy changes. It was an entirely different set of people. There was not one person that I knew from either production. Um, and so it was just, it was really, really interesting for me to like work with that, like discover bits with Misto or, um, interactions with Bomb Ballerina, things like that, uh, which I find really interesting. But one thing, one thing that I, that I, that I truly clung to that really meant the world to me is that, um, is that we, ch that I changed something in a European production that made it into the Asian production in the Korea production. And I am 
I'm, I'm, I'm infinitely proud of this. And I am, and this, this goes, this doesn't, this isn't a shy eye to me. This is a shy eye to someone else because it was their doing in the production of the international tour of cats. The, in the, in the show, Mr. Does his great solo and Tugger says, um, Ladies and gentlemen, I give to you the magical, marvelous Mr. Mistopheles, and we do that. In the European production of Cats, there was um, uh, a young actor called Shaquille, and Shaquille came up to me one day and said, oh, Ed, wouldn't it be funny if one day you said, ladies and gentlemen, and those of you left to decide, I give you the magical Ooh. Mr. Mistopheles. And what was interesting about this is Shaquille is non-binary, and I thought that was really interesting. And they came, Shaquille played Cara Kapat, and uh, Milan played... Um, uh, Tantamart, sorry. And they both came up to me and they said, Oh, wouldn't this be interesting? I was like, Oh, okay, that's cool. Let me try it. So, in the rehearsal room with Chrissy, I said, Ladies and gentlemen, and those of you left to decide, I give you blah, blah, blah. And I kept doing it and kept doing it and kept doing it. And then we got into tech in, in Zurich. And Chrissy was like, came up to me in the middle of tech and said, You know, I think we should change that. And I was thinking, oh, what, just take it out and revert back to the original. I was like, oh, yeah, sure. No, no, no worries. Of course, absolutely. And she said, no, 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 I think we should, um, I think we should change the line. And I was like, let's try this. And we tried a few things. We tried things like, um, ladies and gentlemen, and those of you in between or everyone else, or it was, it was, it was something to include everyone. And she went, oh, okay, it's not really working. One second. So she, she went off and she phoned Trevor and Trevor said, try feline and friends. And now, so then I went on and we tried it and she said, yeah, that works. And I went over to the Asia production and that line is now in it, is now in the show. So rather than saying, ladies and gentlemen, Tugger and I says felines and friends, which, um, which is amazing. And that came from wow. like Chrissy and Trevor and from the wonderful Shaquille as well. So that was, a, I, I, I'm really proud to be like, to have to have helped in some way or changed the narrative in some way yeah, um, i think that's i think that's really cool so yeah really cool i mean again more inclusive and just uh, a, a tweak I, I think what i love about mm. cats is, is that the the core of the story doesn't have to change you can make these minor little things and mm. the world was built and is there and you can do these small things and it's it's still in the like the world like it's still in the world and it allows you to kind of evolve it without it changing. And that's what's right, been cool exactly. about it because it's been 40 years and there can be those small tweaks and some things that have been removed or changed and added doesn't get away from the core of what the show does or is about. Exactly, exactly. And I think um, I think that comes down to Chrissy's vision as well, especially because I wasn't able to work directly with Trevor or um, or Jilly on this one, obviously. Um, but to still have Chrissy who's so embedded in the piece and comes from the true history of it and really understands the piece as well for her to be so welcoming of that change was just remarkable she's one of the best directors i've ever worked with hands down she just really cares it's just so and it makes you care it's really i think that's really inspiring and the one thing i've learned about directors is that if you feel or see their vision then you get on board with it straight away so mm -hmm. yeah she's amazing I want to ask one, one or two more quick questions about um, the Korea tour mm -hmm. before we go to talk about Tugger. Um, mm -hmm. One thing I, I'm always interested to hear is when you're joining in, you got two days, there's, you know, it's all new people and it is such a show that you get very close and comfortable with everybody. So what is that like in the sense of you have to be like, you go and immediately are brought into this like family and you've got to like, did you know, like, how do you transition from, I just did this with this cast for six months 
that we became close and we had kind of your you play off each other moments to now two days later gonna go in and have to figure out those new moments with different cast members like what is that adjustment period like and how do you quickly do that to you know especially with your character and like this is my second part of this question is tucker comes in to disrupt so it's almost a very interesting one to come in and just kind of come in and also kind of cause some chaos as the new guy like Mm -hmm. is that how does that work like it's such a unique part to the show that's that's a really good question actually and one that was obviously uh very interesting like really um literal for me um, but you, it's really funny because you put me in mind of uh, the moment after the White Cat lift. And um, I remember it was like my first show, I think. Yeah, it was my first show. And I was a bit nervous and still didn't know everybody's names and things. And <laughs> I just remember like us all moving in towards this, uh, you know, the kind of like the love pit, whatever that pit is yeah, called. We're yeah. all crawling all over each other. I remember the girl playing Demeter, um, Anika, she uh, she sort of like clawed me and I kind of clawed her. And we were lying down and very quietly, just as we were like drifting here, I was like, hi, what's your name? And she's like, Annika. I was like, hi, I'm Ed. And meanwhile, we just like been <laughs> clawing and pulling each other. So I find that really, really really funny um but for the main part yeah um it was exactly that it was the, it was that disruptive thing to move on to the sort of second part of your question uh yeah it was exactly that i i obviously coming from the european tour and having my own little ed isms as i would call them and introducing them to this this cast and having i i, I like to use ad libs and i like little little moments and little beats of really breaking down the fourth wall and really getting with the audience and things. Um, you know, that was, that was great to kind of like come in. And I remember Matt Krizans, who was the resident director on the Korean tour, uh, you know, sitting there when I did uh, Mistopheles for the first time, and just kind of like, he, he's just giving me this look like, what the fuck? But also like, just really enjoying it as well, because that's exactly who I feel Tugger should be. Like you said, is a disruptor. And, it was very much that energy for me and very much for the, for the cast as well. And um, I think it was great to kind of, to, to shake it up a bit and to stir the pot a little and make people realize that, you know, we, we are here to do the piece justice. That's fully fledged. Like what we're here to do, we're here to uphold um, one of the staples of our industry and we have to do that justice, but also that there is much more to be explored and bravery is commended and ideas are commended as well. I'm not going to say that all my ideas were great. Like some of them were trash and I'm very (laughs) happy to like go there and fail and get a note. One of my favorite things to do is to get a note, you know, because that means that as long as it's like within keeping, you know, I haven't, it's not like, Ed, can you, can you stop sitting on people or do you know what I mean? Like you just stop like being too crazy. That's, that's fine. You know, I, I won't go there, but if it's, for example, if it's a gesture or a moment or a beat or a, you know, a pause or something that I've gone, I want to try that that way. And a director comes to me and says, Ed, maybe try a different way or don't do that. I welcome it fully because again, like I said about Chrissy having the vision, if I can see your vision, it helps me come across. So it was great to be this chaotic force that swept through in a way, but also to be respectful and, you know, um, aware and present for what was already in place as well and mm-hmm. i felt the balance was struck well so i'm very happy about yeah. That. yeah so let's let's talk about your chaotic force um let's talk <laughs> about tugger uh yeah i want to hear your i always love to hear what like what's the note you're given for tugger like what are they what are you mm. told as the backstory for tugger and then what do you add 
Uh, well, I mean, the backstory for Tugger, from what I gathered. Oh, by the way, this is one of the things I love about cats, by the way, is is the, the stories that you don't see or hear or really get to know unless you do until you do cats. And because of these backstories that we will just delve into in a moment, these like relationships and stuff is the reason that I wrote cats too, which is an entire musical that I've written. It's 80 pages. I've got two acts. I've got 12 new songs and we'll go into that in a bit. But one of the things we were given was the information about these cats. So I was given Tugger is um, Monk Strap's brother. He's the son of old Deuteronomy and his three words were uh, grooming, uh, Oh gosh, I'm really going to get in trouble for this. Maybe we'll maybe we'll skip this. Bit. Maybe we can just like drop this. Uh, no, it was um, uh, he's grooming, independent, and perverse. Uh, and I remember hearing those three and thinking, okay, what does perverse mean? <laughs> and I had to keep yeah. it. I was like, let me just make sure I knew what that meant. But so they, yeah. Given that uh, we were given these words on day one, and um, when we went into the rehearsal room. On one of the days, we did the exercise where we all become cats. So one cat will get in the middle. Uh, Chrissy will say, then, you know, we'll beckon in another cat, and then another cat will be beckoning. And we were all sort of exploring felinity and, um, you know, just crawling and becoming cat-like and everything like that. And my immediate instinct was to crawl over to Chrissy and just sit over her and wait for her to, like, do something or just be there and then our um resident director dane i went over and just kind of stood by him everyone was still like contained in the circle but i made sure that i made an independent choice to break away from that and do something perverse and the whole time i'm just you know stroking my collar or you know grooming this and taking no care of you know not really being there with anyone but then finding a moment i remember just thinking like I just want to burst through the middle of this. As I, you've seen cats do before, like one cat will just charge through the middle of them and it'll just kind of upset the norm. I remember charging through the middle and not really caring or being, you know, respectful of anyone other than old Deuteronomy. I feel like the hierarchy of, of, of predators is really interesting. And I think knowing who's the alpha, which is very much old Dew, you know, I was, he was the only one I, I gave, you know, reverence to. Um, but the rest of them, I... <laughs> I couldn't give a shit about it. <laughs> Even though I do fully, I just, in the, in the, in the part and in the exercise, it's very much about like this exploring that independence whilst being a little bit indifferent um, and self-obsessed. It was, yeah, it was kind of, <laughs> kind yeah. of a dream role, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, but it was also, it, yeah, it was very, it's a very good um, safe space to explore that, 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 that exercise. What, those, what that was what of, I was given. Yeah. Yeah. What relationships did you add then? Like, where did you, like, did you yeah. like gravitate towards certain, the Mistopheles angle or the Bombelli Arena angle or uh, a lot of different versions that we've heard? Or did you mm. just kind of change it up every day depending on what you're feeling? Um, I very much stayed away from kittens. Okay. Um, and and warmed greatly to Bombay Arena. I really allowed an, an, a moment of indulgence with her. I think I think in a, in a very sort of loving way, both with um, Lizzie Nance on the European tour and Petra on the um, Korean tour. Um, both were very very like fine with the the relationship and the flirting, as it were, which was which was great, which really I think worked. Um, 
And also my relationship with Monkestrap as well was very much one of a younger brother energy. I have a younger brother, so I, so I shaped it a lot on him and his mm. kind of prodding and probing, but love and like laughter yeah. constantly. If you have, do you have siblings? I have an older sister. You have an older sister. So you know that thing where you know each other so well that you know where every single button is. Even if you like flick your hair, it'll, it will piss yeah. them off. Like it will yeah. just annoy them or you do one thing. And I really enjoyed playing with that relationship with, um, with both monkey straps that I got to do it with. And I found it to be, and I love that there's a moment in the bows, um, just, just as, um, Grisabella's flitting off, we go viva, um, and we sing the final note, cat, bum. And then we go into a sort of like charging around the stage and, the cats go out into the audience and stuff. And I always, I always like this moment where me and Monka Strap like just get back together and we just have a hug and we kind of hug it out. And we're like, yeah, we're brothers at the end of the day. Yeah. Where there's always love and in spite of us like bickering or like joking over each other. So I like the Monka Strap relationship. The kittens, I gave no time to. I kind of thought, I, I know it elevated my status, I felt, um, as, a, as Tugger. And uh, yeah, I think, I think that was about it. Me and Misto... We have like a, I imagine just having like secret like parties, just he and I would just go out on nights. We'd just go around and mm-hmm. he'd be like, come on, do, do the trick. Cause you know, girls love that <laughs> yeah. you know, type thing. He's my, he's my like magic cat. So yeah. Nice. We're going to take a quick break for some messages from our sponsors and then we'll be back for more of the wrong cat died. Okay. Uh, you, you gotta tell about, you gotta talk about cats too. Yeah. So let's, yeah, let's, yeah. let's hear Let's hear your version. I, I have also, I wouldn't say I wrote one. I have a, an outline of what I had and um, I don't, I can't write music or any of this stuff. So I have like the script of how I think it would be funny to do it, but mm. it's very, um, I would say me heavy. So it's not very theater. It's like a lot of non-theater type of parts to it. I love um, this. But I oh, did, I did write me. a version of this, but I want to hear yours you, first. And I could tell you, you a little bit about mine. Yes. Okay, sure. Well, mine, um, Mine's quite plot heavy, um, and um, yeah, I kind of it was it was funny. I got I came I came to writing it through just spitballing ideas with the cast and just joking around about like ideas like, oh, imagine if there was a cats too, like what would happen? And I at one point I had this really dark story where like all the cat like the cats kept losing their tails, like someone was cutting off their tails, and then at the end it was Victoria the white cat coming on, and she's like kind of half drenched in blood, <laughs> and like I was just I was a funny thought, but for a split second I was like. Let's not go there. Maybe a little too there. dark. Yeah. A little too dark. A little too dark for such a light show. Uh, so, yeah. So, Cat, the version of Cats 2 that I wrote um, it starts the very moment that Grizabella flies away. And um, all Deuteronomy, well, it starts like, you know, you hear the up, 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 past the Russell Hotel. And uh, uh, Grizabella flies away. The cats, you know, come down and they all start talking to each other all Deuteronomy and you address and this the thing is like in this moment and in these moments we you realize the relationships that the cats actually have to each other so uh Monkestrap calls old Deuteronomy his father and uh he says my son you will inherit the tribe one day it was becoming your duty and then we learn about Tugger's relationship to Monkestrap and he's like come on brother let's go and get a let's get a get a, get a uh, what did I say? A bowl of milk at the ball in yarn, and uh, Bomba and I say, uh, and Demeter's coming too. So you know the love between Demeter and um, and Monk, and then there's Bombalirina, and she he sort of chases her, Tugger chases her around, and then we also we see cats like Skimble being sent off on a mission by uh, by Old Dute. 
we also learned that Gus, now this is the wrong cat that died because Gus should have been chosen. I'm telling I love you it. now, Gus should have been chosen. He's the oldest cat. He he's he's been there his entire life he's always kept solomon quiet he's so sweet and timid and old he's with jenny who like looks after him full time pretty much because he's so old but he's loyal he came to the ball grizabella just sauntered in she was the glamour cat bro like she just she lived this great <laughs> life she was off partying like she was shit hot like she had this wild wild time and then as soon as the love ran out she just came back in and was like oh hey guys i kind of kind of fucked it you know can i can i any chance i can skip the queue what are you serious like gus has been here this whole time he's been like a father an ambassador he like he might be mean to kittens but he's still the loving father figure and he's an old mate anyway i'm i'm very passionate about it yeah i love it he basically him and you basically get together and they say like Dude is like listen old friend you know it should have been used tonight and he's like no more of it no more of it don't worry next year Next year, next year, next year. He goes and sits at the back of the set. Uh, meanwhile, like the, the uh, Mungo Jerry and Robert Teaser come on and he, they've like stolen a bag of swag and he's like, stop it. And they go, I knew the tap shoes were too much because they pull out a pair of tap shoes and stuff. And anyway, there's um, Gumby comes forwards and she says, I'm fearful of McCavity. Uh, I think you should prepare the cats for next time McCavity attacks. And he says, I give you my blessing. Let's prepare the cats for next time. Then also in this time, Mistopheles has been sat at the back of the set this entire time. And in this production, I like the idea that Mistopheles is a is a, is an angel character that he can't speak, and he's sitting there looking at the moon and the heavy side layer. And old Duke with an empty stage says, "You can see her up there, can't you, my son?" Um, and says, "Yeah, up there in the heavy side layer, the place where you have ascended from, the only place you cannot return to." Meaning that he, the source of his magical powers is that is the reason that he is the only cat that can't return to the heavyside lair. And also that he's a Peter Pan character and that he never ages. So Old Dew also then talks about remembering Mistopheles uh, as a, when he was Ooh, a kid. I love that. You know, that he's this, um, this, uh, this character that never ages, but he's always in amongst the tribe and he has this ma- the source of his magical power. And Old Dew thanks him and he pulls out a windmill, like a paper windmill type thing. And uh, Mistopheles like disappears from behind the set and then appears right beside him. Um, and uh, and then he has a ballet. He goes into the windmill ballet. And then um, and then Old Duke stands and sings a song about being a cat and the importance of family and returning home. And as he goes up to the back of the set to wake up Gus, Gus just gently lulls his head and Gus has passed. And then the music builds and builds and builds and builds. And then across the cloth emerges cats to a jellical tail seven years later and we hear this snowy snowy windscape coming in and skimbleshanks comes on and it basically builds from there so we're looking at the tribe from seven years later skimbleshanks is up in scotland hunting wild looking for wild cats to help um we go back to the jellical tribe and there's a new there's a new monka strap her name is wapiti and she steps forwards and she's the new monka strap character Old uh, Dute has passed, so now Monkestrap is the, the leader of the Jellicle tribe. And there is a prota- and then we meet our protagonist, whose name is Artie, and Artie is the grandchild of Gus. And so there is this energy of like, we don't know about Artie because they're a bit different, and blah, blah, blah. And then Artie sings a song about not being included. And seven, yeah, and then all of a sudden this Macavity laugh appears, and Macavity appears in the tribe and says, points out Artie and says, you shall fulfill the prophecy that was foretold. And what is the prophecy? What is the prophecy? And then when Macavity disappears, Demeter explains that 
there was a cat prophesized that will over, a jellical will overthrow the jellical leader. So Artie is then banished. Meanwhile, up in Scotland, Skimbleshank has been taken captured by the jellical, uh, by the wildcats. And we learn of the resting place of the everlasting cat. The everlasting cat is the last lion of Scotland. Um, and in this cave, which uh, uh, all Deuteronomy led these wildcats to safety when they were being hunted by the humans, all Deuteronomy leads the cats, the wildcats there. And so the cats, the wildcats say, right, we will help you because all Deuteronomy helped us. And Skimble comes back to, to get, jumps on a train to come back to, to London. Meanwhile, um, Artie goes out into the wild, meets a meets a, a cat called Felix who lives in a bin, and then discover and then they say like, oh, we should team up. Let's go find the cat that was there seven years ago. So they go to this place called Fat Tom's, and Fat Tom emerges from the from this like pizza box, and it's the Rum Tom Tugger. <laughs> and the Rum Tom <laughs> Tugger has the years have not been kind to him. He's covered in like decades of hairspray and like he's fat and greasy and he's just completely lost all his like mojo and sex appeal but he still very much thinks he's like jagger but he thinks he's mick jagger but he's more jack black is <laughs> how i put it uh and so yeah and then basically he teams up with tugger and then he says right you need someone that's been to mccavity's lair in order to talk to mccavity let's go find mungo jerry and rumple teaser who have now gone batshit crazy because they're just so in sync and uh they basically all team up and then it all comes to a head and you meet you go to mccavity's lair and stuff in act two and mccavity's uh actually uh, a sphinx cat he's like got this great big coat that he reveal takes off because i believe in one of the early productions mccavity used to wear this big red coat so he takes mm, it off yeah. and underneath he's this bold sphinx cat with like this little podgy belly and things and uh Anyway, it, it, it all comes to a climax in Act Two, with when there's a beautiful, huge, big balletic ballet, and um, in amongst there, there's lots of other different turns and weaves and bobs, and it just kind of kind what's, of takes. What's some your ending? Though? What's what's the ending? What's the ending? The ending. Uh, so the ending is that um, uh, there's this huge, almighty battle between McCavity, McCavity, Artie, who you know has been kicked out, saves the day at the last minute when uh, McCavity has Tugger and Munkerstrap by the throat. And oh, he was about to fleece. I think, yeah, it's a bit dark, but basically he has, he has Mistopheles, I believe. Yeah. And he says, and I'm going to take Mistopheles' powers now. And he's going to take Mistopheles' powers when Artie jumps on uh, McCavity's back, rips off the coat, and there's a bold cat underneath. And he's wearing a collar and all the cats stop and freeze and look at the collar and they go, that's a jellical collar. That's how you tell a jellical cat apart is because of their collar. And you see this collar on the cavity and go, there is, he's actually the brother of Tugger and Munkerstrap, the long lost brother that was banished, this sort of Hades character that was kicked out of the Poseidon and Zeus partnership, you know, that, that third brother. And um, and yeah, and so anyway, Jelly Jelly comes along and she proffers her paw into the cavities, and the cavity ascends the heavy side layer to be reborn. When it should have been Jelly, when it should have been Jelly, it was Jelly's turn to be you know sent away. But um, but yeah, so the cavity disappears, and then the whole way through, yeah, and then that, and then that's it. And then the whole way through is um, Jelly still sees Gus like very much with her the entire time. And there's this thing, there's this story that if you are a cat. And you, your jellical cat who doesn't go to the heavy side layer, you remain a guardian to a cat in need. And um, you remember the cat Felix that we met earlier? Uh, that uh, yeah, Artie. So the whole time, Artie has actually been a Gus cat to 
Felix has been a gus cat to Artie. So Artie has had this companion who has been there the whole time, but if you read the script carefully or closely, never actually talks or interacts with any other cat other than Felix, uh, other than Artie. So Felix turns around, and, you know, it's this sort of sad little reveal at the end that Felix was a figment of Artie's imagination the entire time. And um, yeah, there oh, you go. Man. There's the whole musical. You can write it yourself. You got you got, you got the whole story there. So well, let yeah. me let me tell you. I think the there's a couple of things that I it gives a climax and ending and conflict that mm. I think sometimes is almost missed a little bit in Cats One. And so I, right. I love that you have a story. I, have you thought about, here's the one thing that kind of jumped to my head because mm. I, I love it. I, I hope you, I have no idea what it goes into <laughs> producing a musical. Um, have you thought about seven years later, there were six other than Jellicle choices. Have you made those six Jellicle choices? Uh, yeah, no. Yes. Very interesting. Good point. One of them definitely being old Duke. Uh, uh, I mean, I want to keep Jelly because I want to keep the Gus connection. Um, and she's sort of the next oldest cat that I can think of. Um, no, I kept Buster for Jones and Cassandra out of it because I believe that they should appear in McCavity's lair because they are posh aristocracy and okay. McCavity has these posh and powerful friends. So I wanted to keep them in that world. Um, that's a really interesting one. No, I haven't thought on that, but I like the idea that cats do come back in in their times of need. So, for example, the Kickstarter Act Two, there is a there is a French cat, a French Jellicle, and I wrote this aria, this French aria, I called um, uh, Le Chat de la Nuit Chante la la Lune, which means the cat of the night sings to the moon, and so she sings half in French and then half in English. Um, so this idea that like other cats of like jellical history, like weave their way back in. Um, but I, but it's an interesting one. No, I haven't actually thought too much on who the other jellicals that were chosen to be reborn were and are. Um, I love it. I love that you also wrote music for it. Like you're, you wrote a full music. Yeah. I have a, I have an outline. Um, and I did oh, yeah. write you, some like stanzas. My, so mine is parody. Like I went full parody. You went full next cats to musical. I went full parody, which is the oh, only thing I'm probably this. capable of writing. Um, in the U.S. version, there is a Peter, which is Gus's character that just dances in the ensemble. And I've always joked that I think Peter is St. Peter. And so my cats too is a, is what I joked, jokingly called the goats of ghost of cats must pass. And okay. I want peter to bring grizabella to be like a christmas story and yeah. let her come up before she ascends to the episode layer and see what that decision does to all the cats so she goes around with peter and the uh -huh. two of them go and then what, what i got to do is i wrote each cat as almost a flip or a dark turn of where by her leaving what does mm -hmm. that do to their psyche or their character and so it's like if it is their mom what does that do? Or if it was yeah. a former lover, what does that do? And I put them in different scenarios. Challenge I ran into is I did this very early in me doing this podcast. And so it's very clear. I know nothing about musical theater. I know more now, but like when I started, I knew nothing. So it's like, I think I ended up putting one of them on the Knicks, like on a basketball team. And like, mm -hmm. like I had a very, it was, it was not something that was going to resonate with the cats audience. Um, yeah. But it was, I love the thought exercise of, if she goes to the heaviside lair, who do you like? What happens to that cat the next year? And then my yeah. ending was is that she decides she wants to spend a year with her family, and then Gus goes, which is how I'd like to end the story, anyways. 
I would lo- I love that ending immediately. So that, that was yeah. my like she comes back and has her aha moment of like, oh, I can't leave them. I've got to spend uh-huh. a year with them. And that's how you come back. But you basically do a I mean, it's a Christmas. Story. It's like it's a it's not a new it's not a new story, but it's the great like for me, a format for the parody of what happened to each cat. Cause then you can go into whatever character you want and yeah. say, this is the turn they took by yeah. her leaving. I love that. I love that. That's sort of, um, it's kind of company meets a Christmas story. Yeah. yeah. Like the, the, her, her own rebirth in of itself, but also a, a, a retelling of, or a, or a flashing out of the, of the characters we already know. That's mm-hmm. super interesting actually. It's like, um, puts me in mind of Encanto as well. Did you see that new yeah. Disney movie? Yeah. yeah where we see these characters and then, but realizing the relationship and the change that then happens to all of them around this one central character. That's really good, man. I like that. I like that. It would be fun. Um, I can't write music or anything else. And I would definitely, but it's, it's the version I would, I would want to do. Yeah. That's so cool. I really, I really hope you get to make that. And I hope you get to make yours. Yours sounds awesome. Like I I was, I I was entranced as you were telling me. Oh, thanks. I mean, I hope so too. I've, I've spoken to quite a few people about doing it and um, uh, just like getting hold of Andrew Lloyd Webber and also T.S. Eliot group and those types of people because I couldn't possibly proceed without the blessing because of how much, how many toes I would be staffing on. I really desperately yeah. want to make it. And, I've, and we actually had a reading with the international tour. I, I spent six weeks writing it and I just went into like a kind of crazy writer zone, you know, and just hammered it out. I remember like even after the tugger number, <laughs> I have like a, about a 10, 15 minute break and I would sit on my laptop there, you know, I'd come off stage sweating and I'd quickly jump on the laptop and just <laughs> keep writing. And I was writing songs and stuff. But when we did the reading, um, had some wonderful feedback, made a few changes, some great new ideas came through as well. Then they're sort of like, I spoke to my agent about it as well. And I said, what do you think? And he went, you're, you're joking, right? You didn't write a musical. And I said, yeah, no, I did. And he said, well, you can possibly get it off the ground because the rights and things like that. But I would love, love, love if, if on the off chance I could meet Andrew Lloyd Webber one day and just be like, what do you think? Here's a thing let me show you it and we can maybe work on some ideas together. I would just, I would, Oh God, I would thrive at that opportunity. I would love that. Yeah. But what a, hopes and dreams. What a fun, what a fun way to do it too. Like I'm sure you got great notes from your cast. Cause like you are literally yeah. living this every day. So like you could not be more in the like mindset of cats to yeah, be able to give yeah. a thought on like Hardy well, and all these other characters. Yeah. Well, again, I mean, like there's one thing I said, like right at the beginning is that there's, there's two different versions of cats, like watching cats and being in cats. Like for me again, you know, like let's go full circle with this. When I was a kid watching cats, you know, in the theater, I was like, I don't get this uh, piece out. And then again, when I was like doing it, you know, and I got, I got the job and Chrissy gave me the words and we did the workshop. I was like, and then I learned about the relationships. I was like, holy shit, there's a, there's a universe in here. It's like this entire musical like I, wouldn't that enhance people's like perception of it? Like I have friends, my girlfriend, for example, who's done, has done cats as well. And they, we all love it because we know it and we respect the piece. And we, you know, so many people have done it that you can start to compare other people's versions of it and you could admire and uh, know other people's things. And it's just really, really interesting. There's this whole world that people love and obsess over. And there's a reason that the musical has such a fan base as well, because it, it has these deeper dynamics and stories in it. I would just love uh, to be able to give that um, 
some light and, you know, just flesh it out. I mean, this story I've written, for example, like doesn't have to be writ, doesn't have to be wrote. Like you could encompass stories like yours into it as well. We could, you mm-hmm. know, collab on it and get, just hear what other people would want to see and then write about that. I don't think it's, um, I mean, you know, you shouldn't really touch something that isn't broken because it is so perfect yeah. in itself. I'm not saying that it needs to be touched, Cat's one, but if there was an extension, an extension pack and be like, it's just so yeah. you know, here's a little bit, here's something else you could like maybe to enhance your watching of Cats 1. You um, would thrive on Cats Tumblr. If you're Cats unfamiliar, <laughs> um, it, might be, it might be a, a new obsession for you, but there's a group of fans that essentially write as if they're the cat and they have their own unique cats. And uh, nah. it's, I, I have stayed away from it because I don't want to get uh, personally sucked in because I think I'd become obsessive on it. Um, but there is a a group that, um, I don't know how active it is still today, but Uh they would write stories and situations of like real life as the cats. So it is, sounds like you have, you have some new characters that you can bring in. I'll I'll send you some more when we, when we finish and hang up and please, please do. I'll get you a little into it. I'll, uh, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll email you when I'm in too deep as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Come um, pull me out. Let's, let's do some rapid fire here to, uh, to close us out. Um, if you could go on for one day, any character, any cat, whether you could physically do it, male, female, just one track, one day, who would you want to go on as? Mungo Jerry. Mungo Jerry. Why? I just want to, I, I want to know what it is like to be that exhausted singing yeah. and dancing that full out in that intense way to then you know do that crazy cart with the iconic thing at the end and just just real like think how it feels to have just finished mm-hmm. that like i think it's an incredible and also like to have the energy and try and match the energy of you know the rumple teaser and i think that's i think it's just a crazy ass number that you know while everyone else is just off stage like catching a breath or like taking a drink of water they are there giving it like the yeah. whole thing and it's i think i, I think Probably Mungo Jerry. I think it's a feat okay. of athleticism and just all great things. What are who are your favorite and least favorite cats? Favorite cats and least favorite cats. Oh gosh. Yeah, ignore, ignore people. Um ignore actors. Just purely favorite, character. Favorite favorite cats. Um I think Bill Bailey's uh a, a right laugh i think he's just he's just there for a giggle he's just running around teasing people um least favorite is probably cassandra because she's so kind of in my opinion like she's so up herself in a way like okay. she's just kind of like high and entitled um uh favorite cat i think oh do you i think he's such a lovable likable admirable character uh and least favorite grisabella oh, right. really did me in there yeah. Um, what's your favorite song in the show? Uh, memory. Memory. Okay. So hate, don't like Grisabella. Love her song though. Love her song though. I think yeah. I mean, that's, that's, <laughs> that's why I love it. That's why I love it so much because it pulls me around. You know, I go, you, oh, but you sang so well. And I get it. I get it by the end. But I feel, I feel like that whole song's, you know, it's the, one of the more iconic songs of the show. And also it kind of brainwashes us all the cats to go. She should go. She should really yeah. be the one chosen. Um, my fun question is, since you got to do a little bit of a European tour, I asked mm-hmm. this to your castmate, Ella, uh, which cat do you think would win Eurovision? <laughs> like it's an independent song? Yeah. Independent. Oh, okay. Yeah. What did Ella say? Can you remember? 
I don't remember. I, uh, I wish I, I there was a couple choices. Like there's a I think there's a lot of ways to answer this. Um I, I yeah. don't remember exactly what she said, but um but yeah, there's yeah, I think there's some I think there's some choices. Hilarious, hilarious question. Um I, I, I think Tugger's number would uh would definitely be up there. I think the run time Tugger number. Uh Misto's kind of iconic. I think yeah, I think that would that would that would stand a good chance, but Dude, hands down, it's got to be memory. It's just, it's just so iconic. It's the rise like a phoenix. It's just all those great, you know, numbers. Those yeah. super ballads. Yeah. I'll memory. add one more. I'll add one more Go for on. you. I think Skimbleshanks gets a shot. With yeah, Skimbles in there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, with the builds a train on stage. Like, I think there's some fun to that. Yeah, there's some production value in that as well. Yeah, for sure, for <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, I normally ask. This is the point I'd ask you, but you already went on a rant on why you're picking Gus over Grizabella. So I'm just glad that you're Team Gus. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I jumped the gun on that one, but I couldn't. No, I couldn't, all good. Couldn't uh, yeah, I, I just, I'm, I, I'm with you. Yeah, I just he's he's been there. He's he's there. He's he's the whole. He's in the he's in, he's there for the whole of the Jellicoe Bull. He has lived an honest life. He's super humble. He, he, I feel as though he's never hurt anyone. He never left. He was just kind of in the theater doing what he loves and just being harmless and sweet and kind and then Grizabella was just off having a fabulous time the glamour cat her name is the glamour cat like she lived a great life she obviously partied so hard and just you know just had this great time but now she's uh, now she's back and she wants redemption and yeah. she gets it and I'm just feel so stuck for Gus I love it um, this has been so fun how can people stay in touch with you like when Cats 2 is coming out what's the best way for them on you know, your social media or how do they stay in touch with you uh, yeah you can find me at um, Ed Kinkley Wade on Instagram I think that would be the best and uh, yeah just uh, yeah that's probably the best way to find me but if yeah if anybody wants to then I'm more than happy to give them a bit more info on anything you know Cats related or Cats 2 related uh, it's been uh, it's been super fun yeah, this has been great. awesome. Yeah, thank you for being a great guest. I loved hearing Cats 2 and all your <laughs> experiences and your VHS middle school tundra <laughs> selection and everything that goes with it. Yeah, dude, likewise. I enjoyed hearing your uh, your parody as well. And um, thank you so much for uh, uh, telling tell me a bit about your life as well just before we got on. I'm super interested. And yeah. uh, thanks so much for having me. I feel honored. Awesome. Well, thanks for being an amazing guest, and thanks everyone else for listening to this episode of The Wrong Cat Died, the podcast breakdown of the cast catastrophe. To follow along, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or anywhere else to listen to podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at The Wrong Cat Died, or check out our website, thewrongcatdied.com. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.